Hi guys, this is Laura, and welcome back to Let's Chat Healthcare. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on because you are one of my guests that I've been friends with probably the longest, which is weird to say because time has like flown by. <laughs> but um, I feel how long have we been friends for like eight years now? It's been yeah, since freshman more. year of college, like welcome week. Yeah, I am also excited to have you on because you are a I need to say it right. Physician associate, right? Is that what it's now? Or that is the new and improved term. Yes. <laughs> um, and abbreviated PA, right? Yes. Okay. I am excited to hear about it because I think there's a lot of confusion with the PA specialty. And I'm really excited to talk to you. Like even myself as someone who works in healthcare, um, I, I think it's just interesting how many um, different roles there are and different things that you can do as a PA. So can you start by introducing yourself a little and kind of talk about what type of um, specialty you work in and maybe that educational background that you've had? For sure. Um, so I have been a PA now for three years, which is crazy to say. Um and let's see, I decided to become a PA because um, from the time I was a little kid, I was always interested in how the human body works. Um, I actually kind of wanted to be like an artist or an architect when I was younger, but my parents were like, well, what about medicine? Because like job security and all that stuff. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And they weren't wrong. Um, and actually, I feel like medicine's kind of a art form in a lot of different ways. Um, you have to be creative I and agree. stuff. So um, I did a lot of shadowing in high school. I shadowed PTs, nurses, physicians, PAs, nurse practitioners to kind of get a feel for how each profession was different. And I ultimately decided that I wanted to be in a provider role, but I knew I didn't want to spend like 10 years of my life in college and med school and all that. Mm. Um to become a doctor. So because I knew my goal was to be a provider, ultimately, I chose the PA route. I could have gone first to nursing school, but then I would have just gone straight to NP school. And so I took a little bit of a gamble because my undergrad degree was really a pre-professional degree. It was called Allied Health Sciences. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't get into grad school, I'm not really sure what I would have done with that, but things worked out. Um, but if I think if I would have gone back to undergrad and picked a different degree, I probably would have done something like exercise science, um, because then you can work as an exercise physiologist with that degree, even if you don't go on to grad school. And you can go to like uh, physical therapy school or something like like DPT, doctor of physical therapy with that degree. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, you can do a lot of things with exercise physiology. You can even go to med school or whatnot, but it's nice because you have like, Options. you could do something just <laughs> from undergrad then or nursing. Nursing would have been a great um, role too. I have a lot of friends that did nursing. Obviously you're a nurse. Um, and that's such a good undergraduate degree, like one of the best. So, yeah. Um, and as far as my specialty currently, I worked in cardiology for the first like two and a half years of my career. Loved cardiology. Um, it just was like so much fun. It, I, I just loved it. But I moved recently, and so now I'm working in pulmonary and sleep medicine, which is different. I mean, heart and lungs are closely related, but there's just, like, so much that goes into pulmonary. It's very broad. 
Um, and sleep medicine is a whole nother animal. <laughs> so I'm learning a lot. I've been um, in this role about three months now, three, four months. So I'm still, you know, learning a ton on the job, learning a lot from the doc that I work with. Um, but overall, I like it so far. That's awesome. So you got your undergrad degree and then you went to grad school after that, right? How many years did you go for? Yes. Um, my undergraduate degree was four years and um, I had some prereqs coming in though. So I think I graduated in three and a half. I think mm-hmm. you think about that. Like I know. I don't, then, why don't I remember? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. That. Um, cause I graduated in December instead of in the spring, but anyways, and then, um, PA school was essentially two and a half years and you go through the summers and everything. Every program is a little different. I think they're usually about, um, 25 to 28 months long. Depending and that, on which that's like a to. really intensive 28 months, right? You're like, it's like really intense coursework, kind of like um, when I think nurse, and I can never say this word, anesthetists go to school, they go for like a really intense, like two to three, even sometimes four years. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, through the summers and everything, they they likened it to like a mini med school crammed into a shorter period of time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If that tells you. anything. so. So did you have to pick a specialty when you started grad school? Or you just, it's like a general PA grad school. Yeah. So PAs are trained as generalists. So you're, um, you get a, you know, broad variety of every specialty and then, um, you don't have to pick a certain specialty because nurse practitioners Mm -hmm. have to do, um, you know, they have to do either adult nursing or like gerontology. There's a lot of them. Yeah. There's like Um, pediatric options. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot. Yeah. No, we didn't have to pick a certain like area like that. Um, so we can basically from PA school go to any PA role. Um, there are PA residencies and that's getting more common. Um, if people want to, for example, get into like a really competitive surgical subspecialty, um, but it's by no means required to get a job. Um, where I used to work in, um, further south in Michigan, there was a internal medicine residency, which um, was more broad, but it made it more likely that you would get a job where you did your residency because you build rapport. It's kind of almost like um, they, they were training you and then you a lot of people were likely to get a job there after they did that. So if you know you want to work at like a really competitive hospital or in a competitive specialty, or you just don't know what you want to do when you graduate, a residency is a good option, but by no means is it required. Um. Kind of stepping back a little again into the general PA role. So there has been a recent name change, and I also think there's a lot of confusion with the name. Can you kind of talk us through what happened with the name change and like where the profession is at now with um, like title and role kind of? Sure. That's a big question. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like the PA community – has kind of felt for a long time that our the name of our profession was kind of misrepresenting what we actually do because um, mm. physician assistant is what we have been called for a long time. And that's a bit of a misnomer. We're not assistants to the doctor or physician. You know, we're graduate level trained healthcare providers. We have the ability to diagnose and treat medical conditions, prescribe tests and medications, perform procedures, um, and so on. And so we're not medical assistants. And when people hear physician assistant, they often think, oh, it's just a medical assistant, but it's much, much more than that. Um, So a couple of years ago, the AAPA House of Delegates, which is kind of like our profession's governing body, I guess, um, voted to change the name of our title to physician associate. 
Um, and that recently kind of came to fruition. So whether you like the name or not, I think there's a lot of controversy out there. <laughs> I think it does better represent what we do. Um, what I think is tricky is that people were just kind of starting to understand the role of yeah, physician assistants, and now we're changing the name all of a sudden, which I think will continue to create some more confusion as it's implemented. Um, and like everything else in healthcare, this change is happening like super slowly. And so I think it's going to take the medical community a while to recognize the new title. Um, I feel like, for example, PAs in Michigan, I feel like we still call ourselves physician assistants. So I think it's just going to take a while to get used to like physician associate. Um, But the AAPA is doing, I think, like a national campaign to kind of promote PAs and the name change, which which does help. I feel like I've seen the name around more. Actually, I was surprised when I was doing research how recent the profession is because the first class graduated in 1967 which is crazy Mm -hmm. like I was so surprised at how recent that was yeah yeah it kind of the I mean if you do any sort of research about it the profession was born out of I think it was at World War II um yeah uh, I could be wrong on this my my uh, professors are gonna like get so mad at me but um (laughs) (laughs) for not knowing this but um it's because the the medics in the war would kind of act like the physicians you know even though they hadn't gone to med school like in the war caring for people and when they came back here you know they hadn't gone to med school but they had all this extensive medical experience and training you know diagnosing and treating and doing surgeries and such um and so you know there was a huge need for physicians and you know the medical schools just couldn't turn them out fast enough um especially now as the baby boomers are getting older and so um the pa profession was kind of born in that way Mm. um yeah i was just thinking that it kind of helped with the shortage of providers. Um, Can you, this is like a very general basic question, but can you tell us the difference between a PA and a MD or like a DO? So like a a doctor and a PA? Yeah, definitely. Um, So physicians either can go to an MD program or DO. And um, while I don't know all the intricacies of the differences, from what I understand is DOs are doctors of osteopathic medicine. So they have additional, you know, more kind of holistic training almost. And they do train in this osteopathic manipulative medicine um, that they can use on people to treat a variety of ailments. Um, But they're both trained in kind of the medical model. And PAs are also trained in the medical model, um, which is kind of set forth by like the American Medical Association um, as far as philosophy and things like that. Um, Versus a nurse practitioner is trained in more so the nursing models that they get more of like that nursing theory Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of nursing background approach. Um, But all of them, whether it's a PA, an MD, a DO, or a nurse practitioner, um, learn, you know, the medical conditions that are out there, the most common um, presentations, the, you know, correct treatments, the ways to diagnose, all of those things are very similar. Um, The training between PA and MD or DO is a little different. So like I said, PA is almost like med school in half the time. Um, But then after you do your didactic or book portion, you go on to rotations, clinical rotations. And um, med students have that as well. They just have, you know, we had a a year's worth in our program. So 12 months of rotations. And I think they have two years worth of rotations. And so they have board exams, I think, scattered throughout their program. And we just have one big board exam. When you graduate at the end, it's called the PANTS, not P-A-N-T-S, but P-A-N-C-E, Physician Assistant or Associate National Certifying Exam. So 
when you are a um, like a physician provider, what, do you just have like a broader scope of practice, or how how is your practice different? Yeah, like in good question. Yeah, so it's almost a, a narrower, not necessarily a narrow scope, but more focused because um, physicians do have to go on and do a residency. They are required to do mm-hmm. that. So they have to pick a specialty. Um, that being said, let's say they pick pulmonology. Uh, my pulmonologist that I work with, he is board certified in internal medicine, critical care, pulmonary, pulmonology, and sleep medicine. Oh, wow. Um, so he's still got a pretty broad scope, even though, you know, he did go to residency for pulmonary and critical care. Um, and he has way more in-depth knowledge and training, um, for the specific pulmonary and sleep diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And you guys, um, a lot of when you guys go into your field after, um, school, you guys learn a lot from them, right? They like kind yes. of help you make that transition to practice. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. So especially if you don't go to a residency, PAs um, do have a lot of on the job training. Um, yeah. And that's where it's important to find a good collaborative physician or team to work with that has experience and mm-hmm. is willing to help train you. Um, because otherwise, you know, you could be just like dying, yeah. trying to figure it all out on your own. <laughs> yeah. When I was doing my training as a nurse, I feel like I learned like almost everything. I learned like the basics in school. Like you're saying like Mm -hmm. what diseases are out there, but like when, what you actually learn on the job is like so intense and like, it's pretty much your, everything you're going to do day to day. Yes. (laughs) How do you feel like the public perception, we kind of talked about this a little with the confusion, but do you think that there is um, any, there are any misunderstandings or, um, maybe misconceptions about the PA role Yeah, other than the confusion? Yeah. I think um, oftentimes people think that just because they're seeing a PA or nurse practitioner instead of a physician that they're getting Mm -hmm. lesser care, um, which just isn't true. Um, While it is true that PAs, you know, have less training than a physician or less extensive training um, because physicians have gone through an extensive residency in their specific field or specialty, Um, PAs can be very competent in their specialty and often have more time to spend with patients than physicians do. Um, Like, for example, in my pulmonary clinic, um, the physician I work with, he's the one who has to read all the sleep studies, pulmonary function tests. He does all the bronchoscopy procedures over at the hospital, in addition to seeing a full schedule of patients in the office every day. Um, So he's got a lot on his plate. And so sometimes I, you know, really do have more time to spend with patients um, than my physician might. Um, And as I get more, you know, experienced, I'm relatively new to my specialty right now. But once I was in cardiology for a year or two, I was, you know, able to to basically diagnose and treat most things pretty accurately and, and with confidence and patients did um, trust me with their care. And so you, you still will have people walk in and, um, you know, say like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm seeing a PA. And I think we, we talked about maybe talking about this one too, but like a situation where someone didn't like that you were a PA when you walked in or when they walked in the room. And so I have had a few, mostly older patients become like really frustrated when they find out they're seeing a PA instead of a physician. And so what I would do is I would sit them down and kind of listen to their concerns. And then I would say, you know, this is what I was trained to do. Um, You know, this is what I'm able to do. 
and um, I'm here to help you. And you have to understand that if you want to get in with your doc, it might be a lot longer wait, um, depending on the practice that you're going to. And most of the time, once I kind of explained everything, they were like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm super happy to see you. Thank you for your help. Thanks for explaining what you do. And most people just don't really mm-hmm. understand what, what PAs do, especially a lot of older people. Um, and so once you educate them, a lot of times they're, they're willing to see you no problem and let um, let you take care of them and they trust you. So, yeah, something, okay. Tell me if you agree with this, but something I feel like I'm understanding more about the role is, um, I think a lot of people view a PA as like a substitute to a doctor almost. And they're like, Oh, I'm seeing you instead of, but listening to what your physician does at your place versus what you do. It's almost, it's just like two completely separate roles. Like you're more at the bedside being like meeting with the patient longer. And then he's kind of back here a little doing more like, um, like a, like, like the bronchoscopies or things you were mentioning. But I feel like I, for me personally, I used to view it as kind of like a substitution, but it's more like a completely separate role. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, I would say yes and no. Um, I would say, you know, like for example, PAs can be somebody's sole primary care provider. And Mm. in that case, you might only ever see your PA and, you know, you have the right to change your provider. If you don't like your physician, you can switch to a different physician. Um, but PAs are, are, you know, able to be primary care providers and a lot of patients, you know, see a PA every time and, that's completely fine. Um, and that's mm-hmm. not like getting lesser care or anything like that. I think, again, it, you know, PAs are the professionals created to fill this role where there's a shortage of physicians. Um, but we work collaboratively with, collaboratively with our docs. So if there's yeah. ever a time when they feel in over their head with some sort of, you know, case or question that a patient has, you know, that's where um, we have that ability to go to our doc and say, hey, can you help me out with this? Can you look at this? I'm not sure. Can I just run this past you? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, in in the subspecialties, um, yes, the docs are often more caught up with doing the procedures or the surgeries or reading the tests or whatever, but they still do have a full patient schedule. Um, they just might, you know, be having to be a little quicker with their patients because they've got all this other stuff that's on their plate as well. Um, so as a PA, what, what are the biggest challenges that you face maybe on a daily basis or just like in general? Yeah. Um, I think the, the big one that comes to my mind right now is dealing with administration, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) which anybody who works in healthcare at a hospital, you know, it's like, Oh, the administration (laughs) for any administrators Mm. out there. Um, it's nothing against you personally, but I think it's just a broken system. And I know Laura, you've talked about that in a lot of your other, um, podcast episodes with different people. Um, But I think it's frustrating when we're just trying to care for patients and there's all these barriers in your way, you know, with staffing and access to care and, um, you know, things like that, that are out of your control. It's just frustrating. Um, Some of the other things that I think are a challenge is um, for access to care specifically. So like insurance coverage for medications and testing or getting patients referral to different specialists. Um, There's in my, you know, pulmonary clinic, 
these medications called biologics. So that's like your Dupixin, your um, Nucala, your Zolaire, those ones you see advertised on TV because they're like the really expensive, you know, new drugs. Um, but some patients really do need them and they can be life-changing, but jumping through the hoops to get them covered by insurance is just insane. <laughs> and it just adds so much extra time and paperwork. Um, and it's like, you know, I'm just trying to help my patients. So, um, let me see what else. For early career PAs, I mean, I guess I'd still probably be considered that because I'm relatively new to the profession. Things like maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Um, and, you know, at work, there's lots of different tasks depending on if you're in a clinic or a hospital or what setting. Um, for example, like outpatient, you have all the inbox messages, medication refills, paperwork, that sort of thing. Um, that, again, takes away from the patient care. Um, and it's not really what we signed up to do. You know, it's part of the job, but it's not the fun part. Yeah. And do you, I feel like as a provider, I'm not in that provider role, so I wouldn't know exactly, but I feel like it's hard. It would be hard to not think about those patients when you're off work and think about what you could be doing when you're off work. And especially with the broken system, how you can, Maybe if you were working right now, you could have made it a better experience for this patient or you could have gotten them in sooner. And I bet, do you ever feel that when you're outside of work? Yeah, I do probably more than I should think about work when I'm at home or off of work, <laughs> um, especially if, you know, it's a patient I'm concerned about or I'm just thinking about, um, you know, something that I did that day and, and thinking, you know, was this really the right thing to do? Um, and it's it's hard to like not, carry that home with you. Um, but I think yeah. it's really important to have, um, healthy boundaries with work and your life outside of work mm -hmm. so that when you show up to work, you can have the energy, um, to be a good provider and to do all the things you need to do for your patients. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the PA role is really exciting and just hearing you talking about it. I know we've talked about some of the negatives, but, um, maybe you can talk about some of your favorite parts about it because, I feel like it's actually such a great thing that we have in our healthcare community to increase access and to have you guys as resources. And I, I think we a lot of times look at the negatives, but looking at the positives of it are just as important. So, yeah. <laughs> what, what would you say your favorite parts about being a PA are? Oh well, um, I think it you know still allows me to. Um, have the challenge of, you know, being in a provider role without the crazy like 80, 100 hour work weeks that some physicians have <laughs> being on call all the time and being in surgery all the time. And um, like I said, all the extra reading tests or paperwork or such that they have to do. Um, so I think it really is um, PA is an awesome career if you, you know, are thinking about um, med school, but you maybe don't want to be in debt up to your eyeballs or, you know, have those crazy long work hours, but it, it's kind of got a healthier work life balance, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for the, for the healthcare community as a whole, like you said, it does increase access to care. So, um, when a provider, when a physician group decides to bring on a PA, maybe they're waiting months and months to get in with the physician, but um, they get a PA on board and then they can get patients in the door within a matter of weeks. Um, and, you know, the PAs can maybe be more available in the office if it's, let's say, like a gastroenterologist that has to do colonoscopies all day. Um, so it does definitely increase access to care in that regard. Um, 
I think some other things I love about it is just making a difference in patients' lives. Um, I love, you know, when I can make a tangible difference. And I know that doesn't happen every time. Sometimes you're trying a bunch of different medications or therapies and people still struggle with whatever um, symptoms they're having or whatnot. But um, when I worked in cardiology, it was really cool because, you know, patients coming in with chest pain, they go to a heart cath, they get a stent, they feel better. And it's like we, you know, saved their life or made them feel better. And that's just like so cool to be able to say you were a part of that. Um, and it's something that they'll, you know, they'll, again, it could be have saved their life or increased their quality of life or given them their life back in some way. And, and that's huge. I totally agree with what you're saying. I recently in my own personal life have been trying to have a better work-life balance. And doing that has been um, such a blessing and given me the ability to step back and think again about like working in healthcare, like how special and unique it is and how awesome it is that you can be there for patients when they like most need you. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but like <laughs> when true. you step back, yeah. And like it, your health and our, I mean, not yours specifically, but like our patients' health like that is so important to them. And it's such a like a, um, I think it's such an intimate relationship that you can create with your patients when you're there for them during that really mm -hmm. difficult time. And I am really thankful for those relationships. And I was actually like, I had a bunch of things happen over the holidays. So I was out of work for like three weeks or something. And I was like, I miss those relationships. Like I miss being there in those moments for those people like I don't know mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah and I think when there's been a lot of burnout in healthcare recently and when I was feeling more burnt out I I wasn't able to step back and look at that from that this perspective I was just like too tired and too jaded to be able to think about that but I know like now that it's been a better balance for me like you realize like how awesome it is to be able to work in healthcare and have those relationships so mm -hmm. yeah know, and that's a big part of it is is the um, relationships with your patients and that's kind of what you know makes it really special and I think um, especially with like more telemedicine um, it's great like in Michigan we have snowstorms and we change people to telemedicine oh, yeah. visits and it works <laughs> out or if they're sick now and they they can't come in and they'd otherwise have to like push out their appointment super far we can do a telemed visit but there's something about like not being there face to face and talking to them that takes away a little bit yeah I agree but I do think that like you're saying for those um specific instances telemedicine is awesome for those things <laughs> okay well i don't know thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about the pa role i feel like um me personally i understand it so much better than i did 30 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm glad that i could help <laughs> and it's just so interesting how confusing and um i think it's just like medicine in general is like really confusing and I can't imagine not working in medicine and trying to figure it out because oh my gosh, I working in either. medicine, we try to figure it out. So yes. <laughs> I'm glad that you um, talked to us about the PA role. And um, we are all thankful for you and the work that you do and um, everything that you do for your patients. And um, thank you for coming on. 
Oh, thanks for having me, Laura. And thanks for all you do as a nurse. We couldn't do what we do without nurses, awesome nurses. So 